Welcome to Growing in Grace, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. And now, here's the host of Growing in Grace, Mike Kapler and Joel Barizaki. Growing in Grace, yeah, hey, this is Joel along with Mike, our weekly chat, entering the world of of God's grace, which encompasses our entire beings. I mean, nothing that goes on in our lives goes on apart from God's grace, and that's a a wonderful thing that we can be assured of. We can rest assured uh, that we are in the hands of God's grace and that his grace is sufficient. Hey, Mike, I hope things are going well with you this week. Well, they're going well with me, but I'm pretty impressed by your dialogue here, Joel. My dialogue. Encompasses. Yeah, uh, man, big words. I learned that word just this week. I don't know what it means, but I learned it. To to me, that's a big word. I'm I'm a pretty simple guy. We'll we'll try and bring this back down to the level of the average individual. God's grace encircles us. No, that's too big. Uh, Covers us. No, that's, that's... that kind of limits God's grace if we say it simply covers us. Hey, look, anything, anything more than three syllables is going to be tough on me. <laughs> I will uh, circumspectly take a look at uh, the words that I use. <laughs> and again, another word that I have no clue what it means. <laughs> it's great It's great to be able to do this, Joel. Um, I, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to, uh, with, with technology to be able to broadcast, um, ha- having spent a lot of years in radio where... Uh, before the internet, anyway, we we broadcast to a local community pretty much, or uh, a small area of a state here in the United States. But now we know that we can participate in, in a broadcast, talking about God's unconditional love and His grace and mercy, and and all this cool stuff that we learn through the Grace Walk. And to be able to know that we can we can uh, allow this to land just about anywhere in the world where people can pick up and and even uh, communicate with us uh, and let us know that they're out there listening. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. That actually reminds me of uh, a friend of ours who listens uh, in South Africa. I keep telling him that I'm going to get hooked up on Skype. Uh, you know, Of all the technology that we use these days, I mean, right now, let our listeners into a little secret. We're on Yahoo Messenger. Mike, you're at your place, I'm at my place, and we're talking via Yahoo Messenger. Well, I love all the technology. I've got the Firefox beta, uh, Firefox 3 beta 5 that I'm using right now. It's brand spanking new. And uh, I just, I like keeping up on stuff. But one thing that I haven't done to, and that I really want to do is to get hooked up on Skype and, uh, and talk uh, via, you know, I can be right here in my house. He's there in South Africa. We're talking across the Internet. It's just amazing stuff. And uh, so you've reminded me of something i got to do uh, when we get done here. But, um. It's amazing how the, the message of grace, you know, the early church, you know, we, we think about the early church and how they met together in homes. They met together in people's homes, uh, and and that was a great way that the Lord had uh, for those people to meet together. These days, we still have plenty of local fellowship going on. I don't think that's ever going to end. I don't think it ever should end because we need that physical presence with each other as a body of Christ, but... Uh, this is an awesome way to be able to connect with other human beings around the world via the Internet and encourage and lift each other up in the grace of God. And so it's it's a wonderful opportunity, Mike, that you and I have to be able to sit here and talk about the grace of God and, uh, like you say, to have the message go all the way around the world. The last couple of weeks we were talking about accepting those who are weak in the faith. And in short, we kind of just, we looked at Romans 14 and we kind of looked at, at, at what it says about those who are weak in the, in the faith. And perhaps a summary would be 
those who are weak in the faith would be those who are still kind of clinging to external outward behavior as a means of trying to maintain or assure themselves of their salvation. You know, Romans gives uh, Romans 14 gives a few examples of that. And we want to accept those who are weak in the faith. And those who are weak in the faith, those who are still kind of clinging to outward appearances and, and laws and rules and regulations, uh, those people are also exhorted to accept those who are more free. I just wanted to just touch on that just a little bit more this week, Mike. Romans 14:22 has a good exhortation uh, from Paul, a good word from Paul as he kind of ends up uh, what he's talking about there. He says, uh, happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. I think what he's saying there is that, you know, if you're free in the Lord and, and you know uh, that you are free to do some things that you don't that, that you know that other Christians aren't free to do, or if you are weak in the faith and you're not so free in your own mind to do certain things, whatever side of that coin you're on, happy is the person who doesn't look down on others. And essentially, you condemn yourself by what you approve and what you don't approve of. I think that's a good word from Paul, just to make sure that we remember uh, that we uh, are all serving the same Lord. We're all standing in front of the same Master, and he's able to make each of us stand uh, by his grace. And, and, and so we don't need to look down on each other. We shouldn't look down on each other. Well, and that, that term, again, just to look back on this for a minute, Joel, the term weak in faith, when you, when you first hear that, when you hear of somebody who might be weaker in faith, it almost sounds like an insult, and it's really not. As, and you, you explained it well. It's really somebody who just relies more on externals, um, a legalistic mindset, we might say today. And, of course, there are different levels of legalism out there. Uh, different people may be legalistic in certain areas and not so much in others. Um, but it's not so much an insult, and it doesn't mean that you're an inferior Christian uh, to be weak in faith. It just means that um, it's been a little bit more difficult, or because you have a lack of knowledge, you, you haven't really understood about God's unconditional grace and love that comes to us as a gift, um, because we so many of us have been taught, possibly even through our church, that um, we establish righteousness based on how well we live and certain conditions that we seem to attach to it. You know, I, I still think back to, and, and I'll probably never stop quoting this, and, and I don't want to pull anything out of context here, Joel, uh, because we, we've talked about it before, but the Sermon on the Mount, the, the passage of Scripture in Matthew often referred to as the Beatitudes, uh, without covering all of that passage, at one point Jesus said, You shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Before that, he, he said something that, that's kind of interesting, and, it, and it's easy to skim over. He said, if you love those, and I know Jesus was really teaching the law here, but I think there's a point to be made based on what you're, what you're talking about, Joel. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Therefore, you shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, of course, we know, uh, as we've uh, learned about the grace walk, as we've learned about righteousness as a gift, we've also learned that perfection is a requirement that God the Father has. Fortunately for us, that perfection was found in Christ because I think most of us have lived long enough to figure out that we can't live this Christian life perfectly the way that Jesus did. Obviously, because 
the, the first problem we had was that we were born into sin, so we, we struck out right away. Um, and, and then after that, uh, all have sinned and, and fallen short. So we've all fallen short of perfection. Jesus did not fall short. Uh, the, the point I'm trying to make here, the point I'm trying to get to, is that sometimes, even in our churches or our Christian circles, there, there are perhaps new Christians that, that come into the fold, and, and we think that we uh, have to try to teach them to be like we are and to do the things that we do. And, and, and it all becomes based on our externals again, instead of trusting in Christ and what he did and to take people in uh, like Jesus did, to take people in without condition, to love them unconditionally. I'll, I'll tell you what, Joel, there are people I've seen in churches who will not accept certain types of people into their church even because of the way they dress, let alone some of their behavior issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is, um, you know, I, I don't want to use the word, but I think it's true. That's a shame. I mean, it's just a shame that people, Christians, who, who know that they were once in Adam and who know that Christ came to them, you know, you know, the Bible says it's it's you know it's not that we found Christ; it's that Christ found us. He came looking for us, and he found us. You know, people uh, sometimes, uh, you know, there's this uh, universalistic view uh, that some people have that oh, there's many roads to Christ. All the all roads lead to God, or whatever. And I, I heard someone recently say that no, it's not that all roads lead to God. It's that God will go down all roads to find whoever it is that he that he's looking for. And so God, you know, Jesus Christ has has searched and searched, and He has found us, and and He has saved us by His grace, and and He met us right where we were at, and and it's sad that Christians who know that, Christians who know that Christ has has met them in in their deepest and darkest sin, met them, uh, whatever the conditions were in their life where Christ met them, uh, He came and He met them right where they, where where they were at, and yet they. Uh, have a hard time accepting other people and giving them the same Christ, giving them the same grace that they have received. You know, I think you know the problem is for for many people. It's it's you know the good thing is that through Christ's grace, through the grace of God, they have perhaps had some major changes in their behavior. Maybe they don't do many of the things that they used to do. Uh, maybe they've found freedom and, and, and uh, overcoming of sin you know, through the grace of God. And somehow they've forgotten that it's by grace that they were saved. They've forgotten that it's by grace that they overcome sin. And they put all these expectations on the sinners of the world. And unless these people get their acts together, uh, by golly, we're not going to accept them. They can't come to our church uh, and, and the problem with that, the sad thing about that is that we are looking for those people to change when really it's only in Christ that they can be made whole. It's only in Christ that they can be made free. And once they are free in Christ, you know, then maybe we'll start to see some, some changes in their lives. But we, we get the focus on trying to get them changed. We look at at, at the filthy, disgusting things that they're doing, and uh, instead of bringing them Christ, instead of presenting them with the the God of all grace, uh, we present them with a list of things they need to do, otherwise we won't accept them. And that's a sad well, thing. The problem with trusting in change is that it constantly reminds you of what you're not accomplishing, which therefore 
deceptively brings in condemnation and guilt. We were talking about how perfection is the requirement, but the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 7 said, If perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? Of course, we're talking about the high priest Jesus. And then the the writer of Hebrews says a few verses later, For the law made nothing perfect. The law makes nothing perfect. Anyone who comes to Christ has been made perfect in Christ. And yet we still try to trust in the change. Uh, Change in behavior can be a good thing. Don't misunderstand us. But uh, we get it backwards. We we turn it inside out. And and we're sort of looking through the binoculars in the wrong direction, I think. We've got our eyes on the wrong end of the binoculars. Well, what happens is that we, we bring new people into the church, they come to Christ, and, and uh, based on how we've been uh, discipled, so to speak, then uh, we, we try to do it the same way with them, and, and we get people to start trusting in their behavior changes instead of trusting in the perfection that they already received when they came to trust Christ in the first place. Yeah, and in doing so, I think, you know, the, the, I think the goal that we want in this life is to be whole and to be free, and to know Christ, and, and I think that the focus that we have when we're focusing on behavior uh, keeps us from becoming whole, keeps us from living out the life of the person that we really are in Christ. I, I think we should really pick up on this next time, Mike. Uh, we do thank our listeners for joining us this week. We'll be back again next time for more talk about growing in grace. In the meantime, check us out at graceroots.org. You've been listening to Growing in Grace with Mike Kaffler and Joel Barizaki, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ.